You pressed play on this podcast with the click of curiosity. It is another dimension, a dimension of mind, a dimension where nothing is sacred and everything is explainable. You're streaming into a land of both inside and outside of things and ideas. You've just crossed over into the midside. Welcome to the midside where we cause all the pollution in the world on purpose. I'm your host, Justin M. Lezeski, the hopeful romantic, and I retroactively and proactively denounce anything anyone has ever said and ever will say on this show. Joining me this trip from Dale's Lawn, identifying as a woman to forgo his white male gay privilege, William Green. Hello, hello. What a wonderful day. It's uh, been nothing but rain again yesterday and cloudy today, rain tomorrow. I, I might have another weekend without kickball. But uh, but don't you worry, Justin, I've been hitting the gym. So you guys have gotten all our rain because usually yeah, this true. time of year it's raining in Florida. <laughs> so what yeah, have you my, been doing at the gym? Well, uh, I'm getting ready to uh, enter the the uh, weightlifting because I've heard that, uh, that they've opened it up to me. Oh yeah, yeah. We talked about that last week. Remember, we talked <laughs> yeah, about that yeah. last week where exactly. they uh, the ruling against. So you you took the advice from last week. I took week, your advice, and the rain made you stay inside and lift. Yeah, so I've been lifting instead of instead of playing kickball. But um, other than that, it's been man, it's just been a a crazy week. We got a lot of farce this week. Yeah, I was also going to ask you before we get into that farce. Are you also staying inside because you, as a white Angelino, are causing all the pollution in uh, Los Angeles by driving? Yeah, my brother actually sent me that headline that apparently it's white people causing air pollution in uh, in L.A. So uh, I, I think we should just take it to the its logical conclusion. And uh, just like the people uh, saying we should not have kids to prevent pollution, we should uh, not have white people. So uh, I think the there's... You know, there's the obvious draconian solution, but we, we don't want to start there. So I think people should, uh, just like I stop identifying as a man, I think people should stop identifying as white in order to combat air pollution. Do you think that'll work, Justin? Uh, I think hypothetically it would work based on the new set of rules, except <laughs> a weird part of the new set of rules is if you're white, you can only identify as white because they will tell you if you are white. Ah, uh, I see. So every other uh, identification is self-identification, but white is a box that you're put in by the mob. I got it. Yes. Oh, man. And I, I, think you're, I think you're right. I mean, you're being a little facetious and over the top here because it's a ridiculous article, right? And if you click on it, I love the illustration that looks like a... Um, like a car map from the, uh, actually it is probably a car map. It says an updated vintage postcard, right? So yeah. I guess they updated a, a postcard from the fifties or sixties. But, um, I think you're right that in all of this is the subversive argument of, you know, get rid of white people, that white people are the problem, Yeah. which I mean, well, we'll get into this a little bit when we talk about, you know, the January 6th stuff with Tucker Carlson this week. But, not that we advocate for, not that I advocate for, but this is why there are people out there who talk about race and they talk about white pride and things like that. Yeah. Well, and I don't know if you saw in other whiteness news, um, uh, Alex Epstein was accused of being a white supremacist by a House of Representatives, by the ranking member of the Democrat ranking member of the House of Representatives, because he thinks they pulled up one of his early speeches talking about how uh, Western culture and individual rights are 
uh, are superior to tribalist uh, um, uh, philosophical concepts, and uh, that mean that means he's a white supremacist. So he actually got called a white supremacist on the uh, in a and it's in the con- congressional record now. Isn't that amazing? I mean, I, I don't know if that says he's done a lot in his life or it just means he's <laughs> dealing with all the crazy people. It, it's <laughs> tough, right? Because part of witnessing the farce is getting them to do these things to you, right? So yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it also, it's related to what I just said, right? Yeah. They talk about this stuff. So they know that it's very easy to just accuse anyone who disagrees with them and anyone who's white as white supremacy because if you say, oh, well, tribalism isn't equal to individualism, well, then it's very easy for them just to go, oh, white supremacy, right? Because yeah. Yeah. A, a, a white person who agreed with them or who recognized them would say that they're that, that belief system is equal or they would say, oh, we caused the most pollution, right? Because that's really the, part, the point of the article. Get us to admit we caused the, the, the most pollution, which then logically they have something on us to get us to change our behavior and they know what i said that it's going to make people say well that's what they want to get control of us so we're going to say we shouldn't be controlled and now you see how both sides have arrived at white supremacy and now we see why everyone's obsessed with talking about white white supremacy yeah well i guess i uh since i don't identify as those things i guess i don't get any of the uh, any of the benefits but from what they say i guess there is no benefits right just guilt that's what it's supposed to be. It's it's supposed to be uh, guilt, but it is benefits, and that's the problem, is what yeah. they're saying. Yeah. But the whole thing's insane. I don't have the time and energy to deal with it. All <laughs> I have the time and energy to do is... Dude, dude, imagine walking around all day thinking you're you're supreme to everyone else. Like, that's got to uh, be so exhausting, doesn't it? It has to be. I don't have enough time to think about other people like that. Right. <laughs> like, it doesn't... I've got other things to worry about. I have, I have things to do, and... and Working on my business and doing my uh, uh, cybersecurity work and all sorts of other things. Uh, uh, working with uh, playing playing games with my friends, all sorts of things. And all of those things are better if you have better people around you, regardless of all of these race, gender type deals. Exactly. So you know what that leaves us with energy to do, though? Other things to do, such as witness the farce. Let's get into it in Life on the Midside. <laughs> As always, if you'd like to support the show, you can do so on Patreon or Locals. That's the midside.com slash Patreon and the midside.com slash Locals. Patreon is per episode. Locals is per month. We accept any and all support, especially affirmations. Uh, The first story I want to talk to you about, William, is one of these stories that it's like, is this representative of the time? Is, Is this just an example of... Now that we have the internet, we know what's going on at all times. Because I I don't think I've ever heard of anything like this before. And I I can't really make much sense of this because there doesn't seem to be enough information. So essentially what happened was there was a flight from L.A. to Boston where video went viral of this guy going absolutely nuts. His name is Francisco Torres. He's from Lemonster, Massachusetts. And... He's like getting up screaming, telling them he's going to make them land the plane. He's got 
problems that he wants dealt with. And then at a certain point, and I don't know why nobody shut him up before this, but at a certain point, he charges down the aisle and tries to stab a flight attendant with a spoon that he apparently broke. So now we're in prison rules, right, when we're in the air, right? We're creating shivs when we're in the air. Finally, other, other, I was going to say patients, other passengers (laughs) tackled him. Oh, was it a Southwest flight? <laughs> and later, it's it's also come out that the guy messed with the uh, the emergency exit. So you know the emergency exit row where it's like, oh, make sure you know you when you get on a plane, you have to have consent if you're going to sit there or not. Apparently, he had partially opened it and disabled an alarm. So there's just a lot going on here, and it's a is this somebody who's mentally unstable or high? B is this just a one-off thing, or do we need to do a better job vetting who gets on a plane? And see, why why is none of this information out there? Why do we not know what was going on with this guy? Shouldn't that be something they would tell people? Shouldn't a good reporter be able to figure out if he was high, if he was mentally insane, or if there was some ulterior motive going on here? Was he white? Well, Francisco Torres. Technically, technically he's white. But he's Hispanic. <laughs> well, just, okay. just technically, there are four I'm just races, to, right? I'm trying to come up with root causes. I mean, whiteness is the root of all evil. So <laughs> maybe that's why he did it, but that's not why it's being reported, right? <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. No, they don't count Hispanic as white, even though there are only four races: Australian, Asian, white, and black. Right? Scientifically, right? They don't count. They count heritage uh, okay. when it comes to Hispanic. Okay. So. I mean, William, like, isn't it bizarre there's not more information on this? No, it's really bizarre. I mean, you've got to, it, it, it makes you wonder, right? I don't have a, a crystal brain like Adam Carolla, but, you know, he talked about during COVID, like, no one ever mentioned the ages of the people who died. And he kept asking, why aren't we hearing about the ages or comorbidities? And the, the, that was an easy one to figure out, right? It's like, oh, because they'd only, it is only the old and the fat and the uh, infirm that are, that, that, are, that are dying for the most part, that the majority are those cases. Um, not to diminish anyone else who uh, passed uh, due to COVID, but that that's the majority of the cases. Um, it, it makes you wonder what is now you're worried is, about offending people about COVID. Now you have to have a disclaimer. <laughs> well, I don't know. We might have we might have re-earned our one Canadian listener. I don't know. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, he's got to be high, right? Like this doesn't make sense. If he was mentally unstable. You would assume someone was helping to take care of him. He'd have someone with him, right? Yeah. I, I, I don't know, man. Like, who was traveling with him is the other question. Was he traveling I, alone? Was this business? I mean, like, the these video- are all questions that, that, that a reporter would ask, right? It's like they're just, right. they're just spitting up what the district attorney put in the, uh, in the complaint, but not doing any other reporting. Other than, well, I, I did find that second article where they talked about the person who helped uh, subdue him. Yeah. Well, I think I think you raise a good point that they're just putting what the DA put out there because really they're only reporting this because it went viral. Otherwise, oh yeah, th- this wouldn't have been something that they cared about. So really, they're not putting any effort into reporting it at all. They're just doing the bare minimum to get clicks. Yeah, yeah, this was viral, so therefore let's make an article to get clicks. Yeah, right. That's the the only motivation here, which is unfortunate. It's very unfortunate because to me, this is something like with all the stuff 
you know, that goes on and we talk about as a culture, this is something that should be taken more seriously because this is something that immediately affects people, right? We have all these conversations about all these ridiculous things like, are white people causing more popular or more, more pollution? Like that's a long-term thing. And that's what we're focusing on. We're here. Here's an example of a short-term issue, which is related to what we talked about last week. Didn't we talk about all of the weird cultural stuff around airplanes and flying right now? And then this story happens the mm-hmm. next week. Yeah, I we mean, spoke it into existence. Do, did we speak it into existence or <laughs> did did we just we're just aware of what's going on? You know, especially with you mentioned the drug thing. I think you make a good case that it has to be some sort of substance, which is something I've been saying for a while as someone who's straight edge is the accepted alcoholism in our culture and also the way we treat marijuana in this culture. And that will grow to other drugs. The idea yeah. that it's yeah. it's cool and it's normal to do these kind of things and do them in public, right? There's a big difference. You know, I, obviously I say don't do them at all, but there's a big difference to, between, hey, I'm going to do this in the comfort of my own home and the safety of my own home away from other people. And, oh, I'm going to take something before I go to the airport or I'm going to take something before I get yeah. on an airplane. You're around other people. You you affect other people. Yeah, I I I, I had joked before that during the pre-show that uh, it must be a uh, he ate one too many pop brownies. But like it, this is just unhinged behavior. Yeah, and uh, but I mean, there's a there's a, a I guess a, a little bit of a uh, of a, a positive side of this. Like the passengers definitely stepped into action, and so that at least the lesson of nine eleven has still been. It's still in ingrained in the culture, you know? Yeah, it's good to see that even in today's society of, like, leave the crazy person alone and just ignore them and they'll go away. And, you know, we don't really confront narcissism. We just let it continue. That there is a limit still, which is good to hear. Yeah, yeah. Especially because it's it's hard to tell what the limit of what we're going to put up with is anymore. And And I say that because I saw something in the conversation this week that saw people displaying that extreme reaction to things and no one called anyone on it. It was just a bunch of people grandstanding. And what I'm talking about, of course, is uh, everyone was in an uproar. There was a fervor going about Tucker Carlson's coverage of the January 6th uh, whatever event you want to call it. Right? I don't even like calling it an attack on the Capitol. Right. I certainly don't like the word. Um, it was a mostly or, peaceful protest. We already yeah. know what to call it, Justin. Well, and see, that's part of the problem I have, man, is people on the left being like, oh, well, this is the right's mostly peaceful protest moment. As if it's equivalent to the rioting that was occurring. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> yep. It's, it's just here's the deal, right? What Tucker Carlson showed was video of the supposed rioters and supposed attackers wandering around the Capitol building while security and police officers followed them. Now, there's an article uh, written by somebody who, uh, who was part of the committee, right? He was He's not like a politician. He's a staff member, right? And he says, I helped write the, I helped write the January 6th committee report. Here's what Tucker Carlson left out. Right now, here's the thing. 
This is what bothers me about all of this, William. This guy who's writing this is responding to something that is absolutely insane by saying something absolutely insane, right? Mm Mm-hmm. I don't agree that the government caused this or was part of it or invited it in or anything, but it's very, very hard to watch videos of people wandering around. And I say wandering around because they're walking slowly. They're not damaging anything. They're not attacking anyone. They're cleaning up after themselves. Right. They're cleaning up after themselves. They're being escorted. Right. So I'm not saying like... Doors are being opened for them. Yeah. Right. They're being led in other directions. Right, because they're trying to affect their path and get them out in a peaceful way. But also, you know, if they're going to be in there, they might as well monitor them and make sure they're not doing damage, right? But it's hard to watch all of that and think, like, this is some insane insurrection. Yeah. But at the same time, the response to this is, oh, well, Tucker Carlson is trying to hide the truth that the white supremacist Proud Boys encouraged the attack on the Capitol. And it's just, the truth is somewhere in between. Were there Proud Boys there? Certainly. Are they going to claim that they caused this? Certainly. That's what makes them feel important. But to me, the grandstanding by the average person to make this seem like they're the ones who know exactly what's going on and everyone who doesn't have their view of it is absolutely insane, it, it, it just further decays the the conversation and further creates the divide in this country. Yeah. And there there's so much going on here and it, if you if it it's being obfuscated by this by the tribalism of the inconvenient facts are denied by both sides. Does that make yes. sense? Yes. Right? Like not only were there proud boys there claiming credit, there was Antifa there also claiming credit. Right. And, and and so are we supposed to just do exactly what we're doing to the Proud Boys and just take them at the word and, and, and say, oh, well, they cost it then. Do you see what I mean? Like there's a yeah. we know that we know that there were two groups there. The group that was let in, which presumably and I don't know this for a fact, but that's one of the narratives is that uh, is that the uh, the uh, the shaman dude came in with that group. And then there were, and those pe- people were like, objectively, we have video evidence. Those were all just literally protesters. And then there was the violence that was happening on the other side of the Capitol where the windows were smashed and people uh, climbed in and things like that. But there's a lot of equivocation going on. And people are looking backwards at the events and presuming all sorts of intent and all sorts of motivation when that's, that's the narrative was applied after the fact. Yeah. And this is this is the problem is you have to look at the facts and we've seen what I mean, do we have to go back to Portland and and, and the rights there and, and, and the rights in in Minnesota and other places where the the narrative was also applied after the fact and we still don't acknowledge what actually happened in those places. Right. And that's that's what upsets me about the whole thing is, like you just said, you know, different things, different sides of the building, Antifa and the Proud Boys there, uh, putting it in the cultural context of the the riots previously in the other cities. And and the, the like I said, the grandstanding, the, the not listening to anything you just said in order to get one up and feel superior to 
people who disagree with you. I mean, even look at what this guy said when he wrote about the the House committee report, right? Talked about, oh, Trump's tweets caused this, right? That's part of that backwards yeah. narrative. That's part of that. That I, I know that, I, I mean, you have to tease everything with a fine tooth comb to find the facts of this situation. But that that is a red flag that someone already has a particular narrative, right? That yeah. they're going to read things that were normally said in elections and twist them into sedition. Yeah. And and so if we're going to do that, we're going to have problems, right? If you're going to have that bias, if every if every statement of we're going to win, we're going to storm the Capitol before January 6th, that you read that as sedition, like you're going to have a bad day. You're not going to be able to be objective about things, right? We're going to win at all costs. Oh, well, that that's clearly sedition, right? Well, and actually, well, that leads the elections in illegitimate. Oh, that's clearly sedition. Yeah, and that leads into the next thing I wanted to talk about. That we're already seeing this. We're already seeing this with the 2024 election cycle. We sort of touched on it last week, right? Where we said, anytime anyone wants a click, they just put DeSantis in the headline. Now you get a link yeah. DeSantis to any headline. I'm changing story. my name to DeSantis. Right, so that way we can get more listeners yeah. to this podcast. So maybe we'll change the opening there. Not only are you <laughs> identifying as a woman, but you're identifying as a DeSantis. DeSantis for the clicks. <laughs> which is confusing because of what they're saying in this article, right? So I've noticed that there has been a trend to portray DeSantis as extremely far right as of recent. And there was even an article from The Guardian by Margaret Sullivan. Ron DeSantis is just getting started with his right-wing agenda. That should worry us all. Now, I don't want to go into this entire article in depth because, William, correct me if I'm wrong, all she did was list a bunch of things she had a problem with. Yes, everything that she disagrees with is right-wing. This is the the attempt to continue to um, push the Overton window to the left at the speed of light. Right. And look, we've talked extensively on the show about the things we agree and disagree with DeSantis on, right? Yeah, but this this woman brings up things such as don't say gay, right? Where she says it in a way, like, I'm actually going to click on this because the way she phrases this is just so absolute ridiculous. Where she's framing it, like you said, about the Overton window, right? So where is it? Where The parental rights... In edu- I hate when you click on something and then something loads and what you're reading goes lower down. Right. Yeah, yeah. The Parental Rights and Education Act, better known as the Don't Say Gay, prevents teachers from talking about gender identity and sexual orientation in some elementary school grades. So she puts this in there as a problem. Can you explain to me, William, how preventing teachers from talking about gender identity and sexual orientation in some elementary school grades is a problem? Because my problem here would be if I read this with outside the context of this article, why is it not all elementary school grades? Yeah, well, and and this gets back to the, the that whole issue of they've moved the Overton window, right? Yes. It used to be that parents were responsible for education and that and that the school was teaching, you know, the three R's, so to speak. Now it's uh, parents are just the custodian and the state is responsible for the child and 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 these you know the the diversity and inclusion agenda the the uh, lgbtqia plus lmnop agenda must be included because we need to subvert i don't know whatever white privilege i don't know whatever 
straight white privilege, whatever the thing I, I rejected at the beginning of the show. Right. Um, well, and that's the, we have to fight those things by in, in culty, by indoctrinating people. They must come to Jesus, Justin. They must. They must accept Jesus Christ as a child so that they can be fully, so their soul can be saved. Right. And what you're talking about is really the entire gist of this article. Everything comes back to exactly what you just said. Right. So think about this one as well. They talk about the recent thing where Florida now wants to vet all the books that are in libraries and in classrooms. Now, yeah, their and, complaint, and that I was going to say that that to me is an echo, an echo. Remember the uh, the uh, satanic scare, right? In the 80s. Yes. You know, it's an echo of that. Right. Yes. And then that's true. But you know what is also true at the same time? This is a reaction to pornography in the library. Yes. Right? Like this, like this, there is a legitimacy here. And like, yes, it's, it's provoking a reaction that I'm not comfortable with. But the answer here is, well, we know the answer. It's to end uh, government funding at schools. But right. I, like we're like that to attack it at that level is the only way to really fix the, this problem. Right. Because if you're going to believe that the government should be in charge of education as the left is, well, then the government should set standards for which books and they should look through the books to decide which should be in the school or not. But really yeah. the concern is not that the concern is, Oh wait, they're using our own rules against us is what the left is concerned about. Likewise. I, I think it's even, I think it's, and that's why I like the, the original title of this bill is because parents should decide this thing, right? Right. What, what to teach their child. Yes. And that that makes people very uncomfortable. Well, what if they have super religious repressive parents? Well, yeah. I mean, maybe some people are going to have that. Right. Yeah. But guess what? We already have people who are super religious and repressive. It's called social justice. And yeah. there are kids being indoctrinated in that now. And I'm super uncomfortable with that, too. Right. But it's their kids. They can fuck up their kids psychology if they if they if they want to up to up to abuse. Right. Yeah. Now, certain parts of the gender ideology, I would call abuse objectively yeah well and that and that's the thing like it, it perverts all of this perverts how people see reality and how they portray things because it's purely pragmatically purely pragmatically agenda driven which is the irony here right yeah. the irony yeah. that oh ron DeSantis is getting started with his right-wing agenda oh well you're only saying that because he is saying things against what you're saying and you were just talking about it with the last story, William, the idea of he, this is normal things you say during an election cycle. These are normal yeah. things you say yep. as, as a politician. Like, do I really think DeSantis has all the problems with Disney that we've marked on this show that we've noted on the show? No, but that's what he has to say to stay in power and continue to represent his constituents because that's, mm -hmm. that's who voted for him. And look, again, we don't agree with it. I mean, I think we've discussed that at length here. But the problem I have with all of this, William, is we are watching in real time. And this is what I want everyone to be aware of. We are watching in real time, like you said, the Overton window. But the way the media creates associations and the way the media creates images. You know, this happened as far back as, you know, in the 90s where they said uh, Dan Quayle was dumb Right. They said the same thing mm -hmm. with W. This is how Trump became a racist, even though there are videos out there of um, Trump denouncing white supremacy over and over and over again. But people still say Trump was a white supremacist. Right. Because yep. they use repetition. 
They use repetition. And this is what they're going to do with DeSantis. Look, you can disagree with him. We disagree with him. There are things he's good on. There are things he's bad on. But I think overall, I'd rather have him than anybody else. But they're going to push this and make you think he's some far right nutcase and asshole. Yeah. Well, and in case there's any of these uh, far left uh, social justice warriors uh, in the audience, uh, I'll give you the same advice that I've always given. You've stopped using arguments. And that is the death knell. Right. You, you you don't use arguments like I, watching them debate, uh, watching the, the, the ranking member uh, uh, call out Alex uh, Epstein for racism. I saw similarly that they were berating Matt Talibi from the Twitter files, calling telling to call him a so-called journalist. He's won more journalist awards than degrees in the uh, in the Senate committee he was standing in front of than there are uh, any college degrees. And yet he's a so-called journalist and all these things. They, like you said, they're just repeating these smears over and over again. And thinking that, well, that that means we win the argument. And that's I, that's not going to win over the long term. You, you already you know see who else some did of these. That? It was, Trump. Who was that? Yeah. And, and it doesn't work in the long term. Nope. Right? That's the whole point. But they think by changing the language, they're going to change things. And, and we saw that this month. You pointed out. Uh, this to an extreme, the next thing I'm going to talk about. So I'm going to talk about what I noted, and then, William, I want to talk about what you noted, right? Okay. So uh, last month was Black History Month. This month is Women's History Month. We also had... I an- was expecting a congratulations or some sort of acknowledgement. Come on now. Identify as a woman. Dude, I don't even post stuff on social media <laughs> where it's like, National Wives Day. And I'm like, don't, doesn't she the have The calendar like a- is so full of National Everything Day. Uh, just a just quick aside, someone, I can't remember who it was, someone in my Twitter feed was pointing out that it was like some obscure LGBTQIA plus indigenous people something something day. And he's like, like... This like this is in addition to all the other like you know gay pride days like he's like there's basically a gay pride day every every month uh, every one day in every month at least and soon it'll be every day of every month there will be some sort of LGBTQIA plus uh, awareness day the calendar well, will be full of them this is the real conspiracy theory of the world William. Everything's run by social media managers, content creators, and influencers, and they need an excuse to post content every day. So they've created a calendar of special days that they can use to create content. No reaction? I thought that would get some sort of a reaction out of you. Well, it's too cynical even for me. I wasn't being 100% serious, but if you look at it through that window, it's like, oh, this is why it's National Cheeseburger Day. This is why it's National Burger Day. This is why it's National Double Cheeseburger Day. This is why it's National... I just looked. It's... it's, uh, Let's see. There's two in January. Uh, I'm looking at the LG... I'm looking at the gay agenda. You know, I just pulled it up. Oh, well, you have access to that. I don't. Yeah. uh, Two in (laughs) January, three in February, one, two, three, four in March, one, two, three... Four in April, one, two, three, four, five in May, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight in June, including Juneteenth. Um, one in July, two in August, one, two, three, four. Wait, did you in just September. say Juneteenth is part of the gay agenda? It's on the gay agenda. I'm looking at the gay agenda right now. Um, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven in October, um, including a sexual awareness week. One, two, three, four in November, one, two, three, four, five in December. So yeah. Yeah. This is just uh this is just the uh just the gay agenda calendar. Well, this is part of what we were talking about with the just repeating things over and over again tactic, right? Where yeah. 
in Women's History Month, for instance, at school, they do an announcement every morning where they like the they talk about and give the kids an understanding of uh, a woman who did something important. I don't know how to phrase it properly. All right. I feel like any way I phrase it's going to come across offensive, but the point is they're highlighting the accomplishments of some woman, right? Which even the way I just said that sounds like a dick thing to say, right? Like (laughs) they're highlighting the accomplishments of some woman who gives a shit who the fuck she is. Right. Like, no, the, the point is though, because it's women's history month, they're like, Hey, look at what, what this woman did. But you know what I've noticed? Not a single one of them has been white. And look, we all know white women, white women are crazy. didn't do anything. Right. Yeah, they didn't do it. They're just Karens. Right. But the here's, here's the point I'm making. Not that I'm saying white women need to be heralded. And I, I'm not saying right, the, that it should have anything. Like, you should... Or, let me say this. I'm not saying you shouldn't highlight people, you know, women of color. But the point is that they're exclusively doing that. Which means, as you were just saying with the gay agenda, the... Any sort of moment is being hijacked by the social justice movement to emphasize who they want to emphasize exclusively. It's turned into an agenda-driven thing because that's what it always was, and now it's just being taken to its logical extreme by these people, right? This idea that, oh, well, if we're going to highlight women because they're oppressed, well, the more oppressed women are the, you know, the, the black midgets with polio, and we need to highlight yeah. them. They're 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 the equivalent of Catholic saints, right, Justin? All these all these people are trying to hold them up for sainthood, right? And uh, and yeah, it's it's pretty crazy, right? Well, and you noticed an even worse version of this, right? Because I'm saying <laughs> the white women are being excluded, but you're saying women entirely are being excluded. Yeah, that's true. We've got a headline here: Biden marks Women's History Month by giving Woman of Courage Award to a man. Yes, he he gave <laughs> gave. The, he gave the uh, award for woman of courage to a transgender woman. And how like, dare you, you turf? Talk- Get off my <laughs> turf, just you turf. Out if- <laughs> just pointing out that there's a deep irony in here, right? That white men are now earning the woman of courage award. Well, do, do white men have any other choice? Like, do they have any I, other I choice? I guess it's white to this, transition? I, Justin, if. I I say there's always an exception that proves the rule. This is the exception that proves uh, white privilege, right? Like, this is it right here. This is white privilege right here. Only a white man who has transitioned to a woman could do this. (laughs) But do you blame him? Do you blame him if this is how you get recognition nowadays? Shouldn't you do it? Yeah. (laughs) I guess. I don't know. Spiritually, though. Spiritually, though. Right? You know... Obviously, people are going to call us TERFs for saying this, right? Because if he identifies as a woman, then she is a woman. And how dare, who who are we to tell this person? Well, I have to tell you their accomplishment, Justin, just so we can witness that farce, okay? So this was a one uh, woman in, in, in quotes that of, among many that were awarded. So uh, it was Argentina's special envoy for sexual orientation and gender identity in the Ministry of Foreign Affairs, a transgender activist who is touted by the State Department for actively campaigning to change the name of the National Women's Conference to the Plurination Conference of Women and Lesbian, Crossdresser, Transgender, Bisexual, Intersex, and Nonbinary Persons to include diverse dissident and radical identities. What? Or radicalized identities. Sorry. I'm really confused. 
Who goes to this conference? Uh, if you're uh, women, lesbian, cross-dressed, transgender, bisexual, intersex, non-binary, those are the those are the people. This is the new National Women's Conference in Argentina. So anyone who fits any of those categories, or like the one person who fits that one category all at once. I, I don't know, and I don't know if this is in order of precedence or reverse order of precedence. Or do they have to be from Argentina? Uh, wow, that's interesting. It, it changed from to plurination instead of national. Oh, plurinational. So I would say yes, right? Plurinational. I don't. Or know they could be means. from anywhere. Plurinational. Or more than one. I don't know. Maybe oh, if you're a tribal maybe you have and, to. Yeah. Okay. So you have to be like. It's from the coexistence multiple, of two yeah. or more sealed or preserved national groups within a uh, organized community or body of peoples. Looks like it's a uh, it's a philosophical uh, social justice term I'm just not familiar with. So it's different from multinational, like a corporation that yes. exists in yeah. multi. Yeah, it's different than multi. It's uh, Bolivia and Ecuador are constitutionally defined as plurinational states. So this is specifically about this is specifically about cross dressing transgender. Male to female, and I say that to point out the, the type of transgender, right? And I'm not saying the type as if, like, I'm dehumanizing. I'm just saying there are different categories of... I don't know why I'm trying to appease these people. Anyway. Uh, um, yeah. Nothing so, we say is going to... Everything right. we say is going to be turned. Right. So so this is specifically for people from S- South America who are transgender and cross-dress. Am I missing anything else? Uh, bisexual, intersex, and non-binary. So... They have to be all three of those things, or they can be any of those things. I think any of because I'm I'm confused how you would want to be called a like be in this formerly National Women's Conference if you're non-binary. Like basically, Justin, why why put up with all the commas? Just say not men or not straight white men. The not straight white men. Well, because they conference. they want to be inclusive, not exclusive. That's the entire uh, point, right? This is the same thing as the people first language, right? You can't say like, this is a conference for the, for the, this is for a conference for the, uh, the, the losers, right? You can't say no winners allowed. You have to say, you know, people who attempted to win, but came up short of their goal are invited to this. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's offensive to the people who aren't straight white men. And it's a, uh, not that they care about the feelings of the straight white men, but when we're exclusionary, we're offensive to people. The point is, though, right, you've, you found an even more extreme example. It's International Women's Month, or it's a, a women's conference. It's no longer about women. Uh, Justin, this infection will continue. The gay rights movement is no longer about equality before the law it is now all this social justice stuff now this isn't gay rights <laughs> like I, well, no i'm saying I'm, I'm i'm saying it's now infected it's, it's now infected the well, well let's be honest it, it was started as a gay liberation movement right yes fighting the oppressive laws yes and then same thing with the women's stuff now the women's stuff is being taken over by this social justice religion we see you know the democratic party is constantly struggling against this there are other parts of like education is already completely uh, enamored with social uh, with this social justice religion this this uh pattern is just being repeated in different parts of the culture yeah i was just pointing out like it, it isn't named what it's named anymore like if we want to talk about like i don't know what could we name it to properly identify it 
Because, look, I have no problem if you want to advocate for gay rights if you're adver- actually advocating for gay rights. But when you say you're advocating for gay rights or women's rights and you're actually not supporting women and you're actually working against women and you're working against gays, that's where I start to have a major problem. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, when the test is political, right? Not as in you believe in um, equality before the law, but you believe in all this religious stuff, right? Right. You want to destroy the family. You uh, find uh, uh, white people as oppressive. They're the original sin of the of of of, of culture. Right. Um, all those other things, all that baggage that comes with it. Right, and then of course you self-identify as things like non-binary because if you identify as anything but non-binary, you're giving into the oppressors and you're you're playing into yeah. the way they frame things. Yeah, things. Yeah, A can be non-A, Justin. You must believe in that. Yeah. All right, well, let's move on and talk about one of the fields where they kind of move forward with this kind of stuff in the hopeful romantic with JML. As always, if you'd like to continue the conversation with us during the week, you can do so by joining our Discord channel. Just go to the midside.com or the midside.com slash podcast. Click on any episode link, and in there, there'll be a, a Discord join link. You can be in the Discord and send us some farce you want us to witness. Maybe you can share your witnessing, and we'll share that on the show. Or, you know, if you want to drop in and, and drop in some trailers or watch some trailers, you can do that. All right, William, I don't want to spend a lot of time on my review this week simply because of the type of movie it is. Uh, I saw Scream 6, and, and the difficulty with reviewing a movie like Scream is the reveal of who Ghostface is is so important to the overall quality of the movie that if I sp- if you spend too much There's time on it... in the barn and Lori's pregnant. Right, it, it, it's spoilers. And, and mm-hmm. I don't want to give spoilers. So I'm going to talk about it more on a meta level, which is sort of appropriate for Scream, I suppose, right? So this is my one-sentence review on Letterboxd. What continues to grow the legacy of the Scream franchise is that the movies always strive for and achieve thematic integration under the weight of their core concept, fan expectations, and cultural context. This, I would say, is probably the most violent Scream Right. But it's also the most inventive. It's the most inventive. They, they, they take it and rather than it being in a small town, they set it in New York City. And then it plays with all the tropes of sequels and franchises. And much to the writers and directors credit, the reveal of the who Ghostface is, I almost said something that was going to be a spoiler, carries with it a why. Because it doesn't matter who, it matters why. What is the motive? What is the motive for being Ghostface? What is the motive for donning the costume? Because the interesting thing about the Scream franchise is this isn't the same person coming back over and over again like Jason or Freddy. This is literally different people taking on the mantle. 
And that's a choice. And what's the nice thing about Scream is, as a good horror movie does, it shows that evil is a choice and how it happens. And it shows evil being defeated. So you know what you're going to get. Uh, you know, it's well shot. It's well acted. Right? It's it's an enjoyable experience. I know some people out there have problems with the way some things were executed. But it was, a, it was done with a level of intentionality. Do I think it's going to be the best movie I see this year? No. But do I think it's anywhere near the worst? No. So if you like this kind of stuff, you like the previous movies, you're going to enjoy this one. It's it's pretty cool that a movie is a franchise is six movies deep and it's still making quality movies. That that that's a good thing to see, and I think it's worth you know tipping a cap to. Have you seen any of the screams, William? I think I saw the first two, but I haven't watched any since Scream Two. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, it was never yeah. a franchise. Like I don't really remember the first few of them, but you know I saw Scream Five when it came out and it was pretty decent. So that was sort of like a reboot. They called it a requel internally. Like it was like a reboot sequel because now all reboots have to be sequels. Think of like the force awakens. Right. And they were continuing with that cast. So this is sort of like the second act of a new trilogy. I don't know if that's what they're going for. So that made me want to want to see the the new one. And I kind of know more about the new ones than the original, but I mean, I think we're all sort of aware of Ghostface and, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, all the actors in it and everything, you know, the relationship between David Arquette and Courtney Cox and all of these things and Nev Campbell. So it's enough of a cultural icon that I, I think it's worth applauding. Okay. You want to talk about some movies that are going to come out and one show, right? Uh, trailer takedown, right? Where, I always post the trailers in Discord, usually the Saturday before we record, although we're recording on a Saturday this week. But I do that so you can go in Discord and you can you know, watch the trailers whenever you want, maybe after the episode, maybe before the episode, maybe during. You watch a trailer, we talk about it. You watch a trailer, we talk about it. Trailer Takedown. First trailer. The Big Door Prize is an Apple TV original series in which a machine shows up in a small town and it tells people what their potential is in life. And then chaos ensues in this small town because, of course, potential means that's what you have to do. Uh, What I appreciate the most about this is that it emphasizes that your potential is up to you and you get to choose how your life goes because your life could go in many directions. Now, did they show anything conflict-wise or directing-wise or acting-wise that made it seem like there was anything to do besides say, hey, cool, I appreciate that presumptive theme? No, there's just nothing like interesting in here to really hook me. So I'm going to have to give this a tackle. Tackle. Yeah, it's an interesting sci-fi premise, uh, and I think your criticism is completely spot on. Like, there's no, no, it doesn't show what the conflict is. So, Justin, that that could lead to some, like, even though it's a sci-fi fantastical element, it could be steeped in naturalism because of this, right? Like, it's it's funny that it's 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 like to be so built on choice and then like have a plot without a without a conflict. Like, what is the conflict here? Well, I think the it's conflict is supposed. Unclear. I think the conflict is supposed to be like internal, like. Oh, am I really happy like I want to be? But 
again, like you're saying, it's not really concretized or shown or done in any interesting way. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I don't know. You know me in sci-fi. I'm gonna give a give it at least a couple episodes to see. So, but I'm I'm just as skeptical as you. But this is definitely a Netflix and hug. Second trailer. Simulant is another sci-fi movie. This one is a typical "Hey, are androids and robots real people?" thing, where there's a bunch of simulants running around, which is another word for like. Um, oh, my brain is farting right now, William. Babylon Five. Skin jobs, Cylons, Cylons. Yeah, Cylons, not yeah. Babylon Five, Battlestar Galactica. Battlestar Galactica. Sorry, Jesus. You can see my brain was really reaching there, right? Yeah, yep. Battlestar Galactica, Cylons. It's another word for Cylons. Where the one thing I sort of gleaned from this is um, Stephen Amell's brother plays a simulant that was created after a woman's husband died, and he's supposed to be the replacement for the husband. But then she's like, "Wait, he actually seems like the husband." Wow, you mean the technology that replicates your husband seems like your husband and now you're confused? Wow. I don't know. This has just been done like a billion times better a billion before. Like, I don't see what what about this telling of this story makes me need to watch it. Tackle. Tackle. All right. I'm going to disagree with you, Justin. I like the if, if, this is an if, in the preview, they emphasize this aspect of that the replicants are not supposed to program themselves. Yeah. And that is the interesting element that hooks me. If they build on that premise, this idea of of the replicants being able to improve themselves, I think this could be a really interesting take on people and and sort of self-determination. Isn't right? that what always I, happens, though, William, in these AI shows where they're like, oh, no, the AI became self-aware and started changing itself. Yeah, but but yeah, sort of. But this is concretized in a, in, a, in at least for me a, a, a interesting way. I'm not going to say unique. I, I, I agree with you. It has been done before. But at least it's an interesting hook for this kind of genre. So I'm going to give it a chance, Justin. I'm going to hug. Hug. Third trailer. No Hard Feelings stars Jennifer Lawrence as a woman who is hired to take an awkward high schooler's virginity. The kid's like an Ivy League uh, student, Ivy League quality, Ivy League character, or caliber is the word I'm looking for. He, he gets accepted. I forget what the name of the school is. And then his parents basically hire her as like a hooker. Presumably, um, they're going to fall in love or something. I don't know. It seems like a rom-com. It's definitely a, a comedy. Uh, I find this trailer to be pretty bad. Like, this is not interesting. Although there's one scene where... Uh, this guy starts to confront Jennifer Lawrence. So the kid tries to punch the guy and accidentally punishes Jennifer Lawrence in the throat. Uh, I laugh pretty hard at that. Uh, but beyond that, this looks pretty, pretty awful. Tackle. Ugh, tackle. Grooming. The movie. Tackle. Tackle. Final trailer. To Catch a Killer stars Shailene Woodley as a wa- as a watered-down Will from Hannibal in a watered-down version of the show Hannibal. Uh, there seems to be a very precise marksman, sort of like Deadshot from Suicide Squad, who always hits his mark. Nobody else can catch him except Shailene Woodley, who the FBI hires, even though she was rejected by the FBI, because she thinks in the same way killers do and has the same psychological profile killers do. This is literally how Will Graham tracked Hannibal 
in the show Hannibal. And this is literally the entire conflict of the three seasons of Hannibal. Except this looks like, again, the trend in all of these, for me, is they're not done in an interesting way. And it's been done before and been done before better. Tackle. Tackle. Boring. This trailer was so boring. I just am tackling it based on that alone. Tackle. All right, William, I I tackled. I triggered the four tackle rule. Uh, yep. If I was going to give one a chance, it would be the big door prize because Apple TV Plus uh, is growing on me. I think they have a lot of high quality stuff on there. Obviously, I watched all of Blackbird. I'm a big Ted Lasso fan. Uh, uh, Shrinking you need to is watch excellent. C. You need to watch C. <sighs> See, I'm Mamoa supposed to versus watch Batista and, yeah. and, and Severance Mamoa versus I'm, Batista. I'm also supposed to watch Severance. That's another one of these sci-fi premises. I loved Severance. Yeah, I loved Severance. So the point is, Apple TV has a lot of high-quality shows. So clearly, whoever's in charge of greenlining shows over there knows what he or she is doing, or they or they or whatever. I don't want to assume gender, right? Knows what they're doing. So. Uh, if I had to give one a chance, it would be that one just because of the track record of the channel that it is on. All right, William, that brings us to the end of the episode. What did we learn this trip? Oh, man, I learned to uh, sharpen my spoon uh, to protect myself on flights next time I go to Germany. What did you learn, Justin? You taught me something in the trailers, William, that still it is acceptable for women to groom. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. I want to thank everyone for listening to the show. If it wasn't for you, this would just be me talking in the corner of my closet like a crazy person. It still is that, but you make me feel a little more sane. Uh, Of course, thanks, William, for being here because, you know, they literally would just be me talking to myself if it wasn't for him. So I appreciate that. Uh, If you want to support the show, you can do so through Patreon or Locals. The midside.com slash Patreon, the midside.com slash locals, or a midside.com slash store to buy some merch, or midside.com slash the cut to buy my book. All of this is how we keep the lights on. Of course, the best way to help us is to tell a friend, tell a female friend. I don't care if the friend identifies as female or not. Just just tell a female friend. This concludes your journey into the midside. <clears throat> I'm Justin Emlinski reminding you that if things get tough, take a step back and witness the farce. Have a day. All right, uh, rank and order of grossness. So we have on the uh, No Hard Feelings, we had the older female grooming the uh, younger, immature boy. What if it was an older man grooming a younger, immature boy? What if it was an older man and a younger, immature girl? What if it was an older woman and a younger, younger immature uh, girl? Like, they're all gross, but it seems like a couple of them are acceptable in today's culture. Yeah, I mean, I don't even think I could rank any of those because you said so much information. There's so much to process. And I'll just say that I think grossest of all is that it's okay for Jennifer Lawrence to groom someone. (laughs) Yeah.